welcome to Encyclopod, the Encyclopocalypse Publications podcast, YouTube channel. I don't know. I don't know what to call these things anymore. I'm old. Uh, today, I have uh, an author and a narrator on board uh, to chat about uh, books, you know, basically horror books, B-movie books, you know, like the B-movie books, like, you know, they could be B-movie. I'm rambling. Let's go. Let's get on with it. Uh, let's bring in the people who are actually uh, have shit to talk about. Uh, I introduce myself. I'm Sean DeRaker, managing editor of Encyclopocalypse Publications. Uh, but enough about me. Let's 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 bring in these guys. Uh, first up is oh, I did the solo thing. Brian Berry, Brian G. Berry, author of Snow Shark, Ogre, as well as uh, Brian's Birthday Bloodbath. Brian, welcome to Encyclopod. Thanks for sitting through my awful introduction. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> we go we go a little bit uh, a little bit back. Um, oh. Andrew's here. I, I didn't. I didn't do it right. And also, narrator Andrew Gibson That's right. is with us. Andrew just uh, just released Brian's birthday bloodbath that has just come out. Ogre is I don't know like a week or two weeks away, so we're very excited for that to come out as well. He kind of hopped on the Brian G. Barry train, and uh, when I kind of threw out some uh, auditions, and he was the one who. Won the day in a insane gladiator, bloody gladiator uh, event <laughs> that we held at Encyclopocalypse HQ. And Brian was, of course, you know, holding his thumb up or down at all the contestants. But uh, so, Andrew, uh, Andrew, I think I think you got all of them, right? Pretty much. Except uh, yeah, for Snow Shark four, too. I think the, the four that were part of that uh, <laughs> yeah. bout. I just awesome. I heard something about somebody running a train and Brian was involved and I just you know couldn't resist. <laughs> I had to get in on that. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I need to kind of bring it back to to Brian G. Barry here because Brian and I met. Um, I was scrolling through uh, online on Facebook or something like that, and uh, and Brian had posted his cover for Snow Shark, and I was just like, <laughs> number one. <laughs> That's like the <laughs> um, most amazing cover that I've ever seen. Uh, and then number two, it's like Snow Shark. Of course, I want to read this and I want to narrate this. So I, Brian, I hit you up and uh, we kind of, yeah. you know, we, we, hit, we hit it off pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> even got it into the same stuff. Yeah. That was and, the first uh, audio book anybody's ever, you know, asked me to do. And I was like, shit, that sounds yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it was, it was super fun to record. I mean, Snow Shark is Snow Shark. You don't, <laughs> we don't mm -hmm. need to elaborate uh, any more on it, but, um, but that was very fun to narrate. Um, I'll be doing Snow Shark too as, as soon as I can. Uh, but then, you know, Brian and I were talking and, you know, Brian has this amazing catalog of, of books that he's written. I mean, he's a machine. I don't know how he does it. Um, you know, but they're, you know, you know, I mean, they're not like, they're not like, uh, you know, William Scholl novels or Stephen King novels, you know, they're, they're nice little quick fun reads. So, you know, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I saw that, you know, he, Brian had this amazing stable of, of books and him and I were talking and, and, and I was like, man, there's just no way that I can narrate all these. And, uh, it's like, you know, I was like, well, let's let's put it into the Encyclopocalypse, uh, you know, production production line and see if we can land a narrator. And and we did. So uh, so it worked out. So Andrew's been been doing those and uh, Ogre and 
Brian's birthday bloodbath turned out awesome. So we'll talk a you know, go more in depth about those uh, in a bit here. But first, Brian, I want to give the floor to you, and I'm gonna put you front and center with your <laughs> with your graphic here. Uh, <laughs> if I can do this right here. So tell me a little bit about, you know, when did you start writing uh, and, you know, what were your kind of the biggest influences? I mean, they're on your sleeve, but your biggest influences in, you know, in these stories that you tell. Uh, I started writing, I don't know, a long time ago, but actively about three years ago. And I wrote my first story called The Pale. Um, it didn't, you know, it wasn't received well. There's a lot of errors, <laughs> mistakes. I just pulled it and I was like, eh. and I just started thinking about other things to write. So the child eater came to mind. So I wrote that. I like that. A lot of people seem to like it. So I just kept writing and writing and writing. And then I just started thinking about all the, you know, the cool movies that I love. And then I was like, man, I just want to write something like that. But I never thought about that until I read David Irons and Cameron Rubik. And, um, they write like these 80s slashers. So I was like, wow, that is really cool. So I was like, I want to do something just like that. So I started doing it and then it just took off from there. But my biggest influences is definitely like Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith, Robert Howard, and uh, Tim Kern. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how it all started. And um, I don't want to stop and I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> good well we don't want you to stop i mean you know um you're you're you you do i mean you do have a gift with kind of being able to 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 turn some of these out i mean like like i said i mean it's not like i mean these these are fun uh kind of in the vein for the most part in the vein of like these you know uh roger corman you know i don't Correct. know 75 minute you know uh, uh horror films or genre films and, you know, it's like, it's, it's something that you can, you know, you can pick up, you can read, I don't know, within, during the day, or even exactly. now an audiobook. you can listen in a few hours or, or whatever, and kind of have a nice little fun, uh, little fun story. And, uh, and it, it hits all the right notes, you know, of, of the stuff. And that's, I think that's why I was drawn to it. Uh, it's why I think a lot of people are always looking forward to the next Brian G. Berry book. I mean, you've really kind of established yourself in a way, um, you know, uh, you, you, you have established yourself like this, this brand. I mean, you know, we all know the Brian G. Berry cover, you have the Brian G. Berry font. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of spurs you to, to doing this rather, rather than like, um, yeah, I'm going to be like this, try to be the serious author and just, you know, <laughs> you, you, everything you do, there's this, a, a bit of fun to it. Um, yeah. even if a book can go in more serious areas here and there, um, yeah. you do, there is a playfulness to it. What, I mean, is that just your personality the, the movies you, you watch? What's. Yeah, it was kind of a lot influenced off the movies and I want, I want to write books that are fun. You know, I don't yeah. want to get. You know, I'm not, I don't want to sit in front of my keyboard and just get all serious with it. You know, I have written more serious books um, and those will come out later, but I'm just not in the mood for that. I'm mostly a mood writer. So um, if I see something that's like, or I think of something, you know, like that's fun. I just saw a movie. I'm like, well, I want to write something similar to that. So I'm going to have fun with it and I'm just going to go with it. That's why I keep them 
novella length, about yeah. 40,000 words, you know, and uh, keep that average and just knock them out. And I just, I have a lot of, you know, stories in my head. <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, so as, as a narrator coming in, you know, what was your initial impression? Cause I know you had got the, the auditions I sent out, you know, these audition scripts and everything. Um, when you read those, what was your initial kind of reaction? So, uh, my initial reaction was fuck. Yes. Finally. <laughs> now I need to explain that a little bit. <clears throat> I, for the last, I don't know. I think I started narrating right about the end of 2020. Um, and I did a couple, uh, did like a couple sci-fi, a fantasy, etc. And one of my friends suggested to me to do romance because there's so much romance. You sound like a young guy, et cetera, et cetera. People love it. And so now I do a lot of romance and sometimes, sometimes I need a break. (laughs) And I saw these come in uh, and I started reading them and I was like, fuck yes, finally. (laughs) And um, what really draws me to them and to uh, basically, I guess, to Brian's writing style is that it's, it's both like lighthearted in the fact that it is, well, I guess the better way to describe it is maybe like it's campy. It's very yeah. bloody. It's very gory. It doesn't hold anything back and nobody is safe, but in a way you don't get into this weird, you know, you don't get bogged down into doom and gloom and whatever. When you read them, you read them like you watch an action horror movie. Um, and it was such a nice, <laughs> call it refreshing thing um, to read. And uh, I was like, I, I got to do these. Uh, royalty share is fine. I don't, I'm good with that. I have a day <laughs> job. I can take the, I can take the risk. I can take the hit if they don't go. And uh, I just want to do them because they look like a lot of fun. And having done two of them now, the two shorter of the four, um, I can confirm that they were an absolute blast uh, to do. I think the other two that are remaining of that that quad from the auditions um, is uh, Orb Weaver and um, is it Orb Weaver? Night Weaver. Night Weaver. Night Weaver. And um, the uh, Commando one. Death Commando. Death Commando. Yeah. That's the one. Yes. That one is a bit longer, but yeah, I was going to say interestingly, interestingly, I can't talk interestingly, interestingly, I'm a narrator too. And I can't freaking talk. See, there's those words that we get caught up on. Yeah. Right. Right, Drew. Uh, Interestingly enough. uh, Yeah. I noticed that death commando was, uh, was a tad longer. I mean, that's almost full novel length. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's going to push seven or eight hours. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 76,000 words. Yeah. It's about eight. Yeah. <laughs> um but I'm I'm fine with it. I'm totally good with it. I've, I've I will do <laughs> I'll do almost any horror uh and I don't know that I would enjoy all of them, but the uh but Brian's style of writing I think just yeah. clicked with me really quick. And I was like, yeah. okay, no, this we're going to this is going to be fun. Well, there, I mean, for me in particular, there is a, there is a specific kind of horror that me as a narrator, I look forward and it is, there has to be a bit of camp to it. And I've, I've, you know, 
I like the I like the balance. I mean, I've done um, I've done some like '80s ones. I just got done doing a William Scholl. Uh, it was called um, uh, it was called Spawn of Hell, but he changed the name to um, Things That Go Bump in the Night. And that one had a nice blend of camp, a little bit of camp, but it was, took itself seriously all the way through. But there was just enough of that kind of '80s camp in there. And it was that now that necessarily they weren't. He wasn't trying to write '80s camp. It was that was the this was the what was selling, you know that that we consider camp now. But you know there is there is that feel to it. But I, I'm I'm the same way. I like to I, I like to be entertained as well as scared. I like to have those moments. But anything too dark, um, I as a narrator would try to stay away from as well. Um, I I differ there. I don't mind. I don't mind having to <laughs> having to. Uh, encourage myself to sleep with a little spicy brown water after having uh after a long recording session at night on something that's yeah. extremely depressing like i really yeah, don't yeah. mind it i really love some of that and i actually did um i did a book that's very oh what's a good word to describe it desolate disparate there's so much suffering in that book but it's such an awesome like world that the author built um and the his writing style is he's a I think he's a he's an English teacher or he's a something like that and it was his debut novel and I saw it come across my Facebook and it's called Ghost River and I just was like okay well let me let me spend uh I don't know 5 or whatever bucks on Kindle and read this and I started reading it and I became obsessed with it and I reached out to him I got it um but that one, that one kind of makes you feel bad. It's so, it's, yeah. But I love that stuff. I love that. I love the faster pace action horror um, that, you know, you, you everything's really bloody and everything sucks, but you're sort of separated from it. You're watching yeah. it happen. You're not really involved with it. Um, and then I recently did another one, uh, an anthology of Lovecraftian horror called Azathoth, where all of the stories focus on Azathoth, the blind idiot god of the Lovecraftian universe. So there's all the all the piping and drums and screeching violins and black voids and whatever that you can want. Um, <laughs> and those stories ranged all over the place from being like a really cute thing where this kitten's knocking a ball of string around that accidentally makes a symbol and blah, blah, blah. Um, to some very poignant ones. And uh, I just, I love all of it, pretty much all of it. And, uh, but I will say when it comes to getting a nice breath of fresh air after doing a, a marathon of romance books and stuff like yeah. that, I feel like these, uh, I'm, I'm glad that Brian won't stop and uh, <laughs> writing these books. And I was going to add to that and say, cannot be stopped. Um, True. I'm glad that yep. they're there because that's going to be nice. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, speaking of romance, uh, if, you know, if, if you decide to keep doing Brian Berry books, uh, he is diving into romance as, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a book called, uh, romancing the dorsal, right? That's right. That's <laughs> doing right. some erotica <laughs> that has been out. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, that's the thing. Like Brian's going to be tip, dipping his toe into some, into some, romance and uh i think that's going to be a perfect blend of both worlds for you <laughs> oh yeah well, so if let's you want me to do that. it we could use my romance pseudonym uh, that, there you go yeah. <laughs> i'm down for that so 
Yeah, Blake Lockhart is a lot more famous than Andrew Gibson is, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I I I dipped my toe in uh in that stuff and I just I was uh I think I I did something for uh for pink flamingos uh, mm. there's a multi there's like three of us i think did it and and it, like it turned out all the scenes that i narrated all my all my chapters there's zero sex in them <laughs> i was just like what <laughs> what and i zero the ones uh, anyway the ones that i really need a break from are the ones where the author writes you know the different povs and i do my pov and they do their pov but if it's two different genders or two different sexes for the characters and i'm doing mine and the other character is moaning out loud in dialogue <laughs> in my chapter. I have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Come on. <laughs> I'll do yeah. it. Obviously, I'll do it. But if somebody That's writes in the comments that, oh, his his orgasm voice for the female character is cringy. I'm like, mm, yeah, it was. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, but it you is really do the best you can do. Yeah. So I, I want to dive into talking about these two books here that, um, uh, like I said, uh, Brian's Birthday Bloodbath is out now. It's like what uh, three, two, three hours. It's this uh, guy's two, it. two or three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a nice, nice little dip into into horror, and um, and then also Ogre, which will be out. I'm assuming probably as as of this probably recording, probably next week. Probably next week. Yeah. yeah. We the thing is like the when these the, these deals that we do we can't do any like pre orders on them so it's just it's so annoying, and I haven't really had the uh, the bandwidth to really kind of move us toward doing that. Um, doing like pre order stuff. We're you know next within the next year as an audiobook, the audiobook uh, portion of our 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 business will you know we'll keep expanding it and we want to add do more things just like we did with with the print. Uh, side of things where we now we can pre-order most things get get all those out there and so we're we're, we're getting there but the, the audiobook side of things we're just kind of clipping along because we have so much to so much to edit there's so much in in the in the uh in the <coughs> bin right now um so let's talk about brian's birthday bloodbath uh brian i want you to kind of set this up on you know the story what inspired you to write it uh, things like that, the reception and how long it's been out. And then uh, Drew will kind of go into talking about, you know, your, your, your contribution as, as a voice to this, bringing a voice to the characters and everything. Yeah. So, so Brian, what, what, where is, uh, what's the impetus of uh, Brian's birthday bloodbath? Uh, basically what you have here, what I wanted to create was a, just a gritty 80 slasher. I wanted it to star like, like in a babysitting role. You have the babysitter, you have the kids, you know, um, he's having a birthday, obviously. And he has some friends over there are going to stay the night. The parents are gone. They're out on town, you know, so they're out of the picture. And you have this um, clown owns the clown and he's just this savage person. But beyond a person now, he's um, I don't know. He's like just <laughs> ruthless. And that's what I wanted for him. I wanted him to be just a gnarly ass, ruthless character and uh, carving a path of blood all the way to these kids because he's he's um pretty obscene. So he uh, prefers kids in many different weird ways. And then it's uh <laughs> it goes on and on and it's just it's what I always wanted to watch. I wanted something really crazy like this. So I just I thought about it. Um like a few days before my birthday last year and I just wrote it. And then um, I love every second of it. It was a really cool one. And then uh, Andrew, 
um so we we brought you in to uh to to give this a voice <laughs> and to narrate this and to basically uh you know what what we're doing and, and especially with brian's books why i wanted somebody like you uh why i'm glad it worked out was because we want these to be kind of like you know b movies in people's heads as they're listening to them and uh and you have a lot of fun with characters uh we're, we're very much you and i very much similar with how we like to approach things um and i and i've and i know that you know from doing romance and you doing romance like this this absolutely this genre does let you just you know let let that fly um yeah. so when so what was your uh what was your experience recording it what were your favorite characters i'm not gonna you know if if you want to do a, one of the voices you can i'm not gonna put you on the spot all up to you but uh, what was your experience re- re- recording this one well so uh to talk about the voice thing first, I typically, um, unless a character has extremely specific and explicitly stated vocal traits, um, I tend to err on the side of less is more. Yeah. Um, and let the, and because the writing, even though the story itself is not overly complicated, there's not a lot of, um, overly flowery poetic prose it's very direct um while also suspenseful but it's still very direct and straightforward um sort of uh sort of like scene building and things um the characters i just let the i just let the text carry a lot of the weight and to me what's most important is in a scene as long as you can tell who's talking within the scene it's good Mm -hmm. Uh, if somebody comes in as a surprise and they're not announced in the scene and you need to know immediately who it is that it's talking, well, you don't know who it is that's talking anyway when you're reading the book because it doesn't say who's talking when you're reading the book. So um, unless there's you know some old man or something that's described as having a sniffle and all these <laughs> other things, then uh, for the most part, I tend to err towards less is more. However, that doesn't mean that I can't be creepy as shit because that's just <laughs> kind of who I am in right. general anyway. Um, <laughs> I like to do these characters that uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I've got it in my head what I want to say, but I got to, I got to parse it. (laughs) It's like, you know, the character's bad, yeah, but you don't need to milk it. The words are there. It's in the text. The information is there. You don't have to, go into every little gory detail is like, Oh, lakes of blood, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's actually creepier sometimes if you convey it very coldly. Right. Uh, And you can, you can use pacing pauses and things like that to still convey the gravity of things without, without getting lost too much in the, I would say lost in the weeds or lost in the puddles and piles in this case. Um, (laughs) The, the, well, there'll be more puddles and piles and ogre, <laughs> but um, and various distributions of things. Um, but yeah, so I, I go into this reading it, and uh, I had I think I had just watched I had just watched one of those sort of um, kids versus monster type things, and so I was sort of channeling that. into these characters and um i just had fun with it i tried to make uh i tried to make the bad guy 
bad guys um, as creepy as I could without, like I said earlier, without milking it too much. If you milk it too much, the listener kind of gets exhausted with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. He's bad. <laughs> but it's better if you can kind of convey a little bit of like the satisfaction that the guy has. Even if it's written in third person, you can still kind of imply that oh, he's actually enjoying this or, mm-hmm. oh, there was a greasy red smear over there. Oh, that's interesting. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and get some of that, which is a little bit more unsettling to me than if somebody were to just milk every single word. Um, and that's how that's how I approach these. And then the 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 campiness, the the 80s horror slasher uh, mood just kind of comes out of the writing yeah. already. Like it's already there. And so that's that's the mood, and that's what ends up coming out of me. If the book felt more somber or uh, more depressing or whatever, I probably would have just naturally shifted into something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but these books were <laughs> as dark and as bloody as they are. They're still kind of light, you know. Uh, they're they're call it lighthearted horror even though extremely yeah. bad things happen yeah, to definitely. extremely innocent people. <laughs> it is, you have to accept that. Okay. It's horror. Bad things are going to happen to bad people. Don't get too worried about it. Just enjoy the ride. And also, you know, when you're writing these books, you're not writing them for everybody. You're writing them for, well, you're writing them for yourself, but there is an audience of people that enjoy books that, yeah, they're extremely nasty and extremely gory and extremely dirty. And it says nothing about the person that's reading it. Uh, but they're just, you know, okay. But really, really nasty things are going to happen in here. Let's move on <laughs> and, and enjoy the story. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, you know, when I, especially when I was narrating snow shark, like I just let myself just get into the moment of it and, and, and go along. And it's interesting, like as a narrator, you know, as it has, how we can, you know, get a, uh, get, get a vibe of the story as we're narrating and get into it because <clears throat> like I did, did William Scholl, which was a very different experience than say snow shark. Uh, and then now I'm doing a splatter Western, which is another totally different thing. And I, mm-hmm. that's first person. So it's like, you would just, if you just, uh, as a narrator, allow these stories, almost, you almost like become a vessel of, of, uh, of the book. So in, in many ways, like your chance, I'm like, in many ways, like when I was doing snow shark, I'm like, I'm kind of channeling Brian Barry, <laughs> you know, like what was he thinking when writing this? What was, you know, what were the inspirations? And then you just allow yourself to kind of get caught up in it. And it be, it's, it's very bizarre how it, you can just shift and, and it, and as you go along, you, know, you don't really even have chapter, to think about it too much. It just, it right, just feels just, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that, Um, I think, comes from uh, if you're lucky enough to find somebody, like as a narrator, if I'm lucky enough to find an author who writes in the same way that I think in terms of sentence structure and phrasing and progressions of events. And if I anticipate that, oh, there's probably going to be a list in the next sentence. Oh, there it is. And I've already, (laughs) you know, the phrasing, the emphasis that I've put on things, it just works. Um, Then it it's it flows so smoothly and i found that happened in both ogre and in uh brian's birthday bloodbath awesome um let's uh brian anything else you want to say about brian's birthday bloodbath um before we move on to ogre other than drew did a phenomenal job with it Uh, that's what i wanted to ask what did you think Uh, of drew's narration 
unbelievable. Like he's talking about how he's just doing the characters, you know, he, he latched onto each character exactly how I saw them when I was writing them. And you did the same thing with snow shark, you know? Yeah. So you, I guess you channeled it right because you know, you brought it all out, everything, all the kids and Ryan's birthday completely how I imagined them. Um, the little, little, uh, what was his name? I forgot his name. <laughs> the one that brought over the nudie magazines, you know, that, oh, was, yeah. that was just a little laughing. jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, yeah, oh, I was just, I was rolling on that one so much. It's so great okay. when it's so great when an author, you know, texts you or, or, you know, lets you know, like after they listen to their, you know, they're listening through there's, and they're rolling along with it. I mean, as a narrator, that's like so satisfying. And I know oh, that I imagine, <clears throat> I imagine. And Brian's very Brian's very generous, like um very easy to talk to. It's it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Like it's just Brian's great. And whenever you would like <laughs> hit me up about Snow Shark, that literally would just make my day, you know, when you'd be like, Oh, that's so funny, you just got this. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, Brian and Drew, your guys is uh the way that interaction was, I'm sure was was probably the same, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's talk about the next uh, the next book that's out on uh, audiobook in an, in a week from Encyclopocalypse, written of course by Brian G. Berry and Ogre. Uh, you know, the cover is amazing. I wish I had the cover handy to show everybody. I haven't figured out how to share things on on the streaming thing yet. But if you Google Ogre and Brian G. Berry, you're going to see a fantastic uh, fantastic cover, and by his by kind of his signature cover artist, he uses this uh, cover artist for almost all of his stuff, um, all of his self, uh, self-release self stuff. Unfortunately, we're not, we don't, for because we're going to be, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but we're going to be any uh, doing some novelizations of Brian that he's released, but we're doing going to do special editions with the uh, original cover art. But, um, oh, let's see. And I'm going to add this to the stage. Here we go. Here's the cover of Ogre <laughs> right there. Yeah. So you you pretty much know what is going to happen happen uh I mean that's a great setup for the book. You don't even need to read the uh, synopsis. No. <laughs> uh awesome. So so Brian Ogre um fun little camp uh you know camp campy camp uh horror novel about uh I'm assuming Sasquatch of some sort ogre kids Something camping like tons of bloodshed. <laughs> What was the inspiration for Ogre? Abominable, uh, 2006. Oh, and, man. Uh, Demon yes. Yeah, so those Perfect. were the inspirations. And I was like, I just want this fused together. I want to create something just like this because I love Abominable. That's a comfort one for me. I just watched <laughs> last night, actually. Um, and Demon Warp is, that... is so fun. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that that was the biggest inspiration for those for that one. Uh, Abominable was like rear, that was the one that was a rear view window with a Yeti, right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen Abominable, it's it's great. And it's oh, actually it's awesome. out on Blu-ray of all things. Is it? I'm sure it's I'm sure it's streaming on Tubi. But uh <laughs> but yeah, yep, yeah, it's uh it's available on on or I I I grabbed it on Blu-ray and it's it's fantastic. Nice. Um, so uh, there I am. I'm I'm back in the video screen. Um so yeah, so yeah, so someone asked. So we got we got the comments going. By the way, thank you everybody who uh, who's listening live. Thanks for uh, 
putting up with my little rambling here. I'm not used to doing stuff live. I'm literally used to do, I'm just used to doing stuff pre-recorded and then I edit all my bullshit out. And here it's just like, <laughs> it's all here for everybody. But yeah, I mean, Ogre, Ogre is a basically like a splatter gore book, right? Um, yeah. With, with some campy humor in there. Oh yeah, definitely. All of it. I want to ask you, I wanted to ask you, Brian, when you're writing some of these, do you throw similar movies on as you're writing for vibe? What's your kind of writing, you know, what, what what's the habits you kind of employ when, when you write? Um, I don't really have a lot to be truthful. <laughs> um, I'll like think of like the season. Oh, it was summertime when I wrote that, you know, I was like, okay, I want something like Bigfoot, you know, and I was thinking of abominable and demon war right. that came, you know, that came together and I created something that would, in the similar vein and uh that's pretty much how i do think that's pretty much how i write yeah i mean that's the thing like i notice you you know you just kind of um you just kind of go along with with what you're feeling yeah total in the moment writer. i mean yeah yeah that's that's interesting so so here so here's the question for you so like <clears throat> if you were so you have had some things um that kind of so you've done some novelizations we'll talk we'll, i want to talk i guess more about these after we t- talked over i'm kind of derailing the conversation but um like on assignment versus writing for which is still kind of for yourself in many ways um or just kind of mood writing what do you bounce between those um because that's because you started kind of doing more um novelization stuff or does that still fall into the mood writing was it just like i'm in the mood to track down this novelization how does that work that's pretty much how it works like uh <laughs> i saw one called motorboat and i was like that that just looks completely trashy you know i was like i want to write that <laughs> <laughs> so i got in contact with the guy and then um it came about and i was in the mood for it like totally something like jaws but with with like a boat a demon boat you know i was like oh, that's pretty cool so um i just started knocking it out and then is you know house shark and then further on like just like commando ninja i was like oh man i've always wanted to write something like that you know which is like a little bit like death commando but mm-hmm. um a little different but yeah i just kind of go for the movies that i fucking love that i'm in the mood for and that's how it works that's funny i mean we're very similar with that i mean i i actually had to stop myself um you know because as as an as a narrator as a publisher as somebody who loves seeking out books that are unpublished um movies that need to be novelized mm-hmm. i can i i catch myself just going overboard and mark the owner of of encyclopocalypse he'll be like dude pump the brakes we don't <laughs> have the bandwidth to bring on 10 new novelizations you know and um so i find myself kind of going that way when i see something or i'm talking to somebody about something it could just be the adhd uh it is the adhd but it's but you know learning how to control all that uh is is a is a hard thing but you seem to kind of like you're kind of flowing along do you feel like you're biting off more than you can chew it sometimes or definitely definitely sometimes <laughs> i'll get in like little you know declines i'm like oh man you know and then i just like okay i got to get out of my head about it and then just make it happen right right all right so sorry little diversion there so back to ogre uh uh so you you gave the brief brief synop- the elevator pitch you know for ogre anything else with the synopsis before I turn it over to uh, to Drew here? No, that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome. Drew, so ogre, um, this one, 
this one I knew that you would like and have have fun with. Uh, what was your experience when you cracked open, cracked open, you opened the screen? Of, mm-hmm. There's of some things what that was... got cracked open in it. <laughs> <laughs> Something described as uh, popping like a rotten melon was. Uh, I remember that was. I remember that one. Um, so before I do before I do these books, <laughs> don't tell my boss. I actually read them at work. <laughs> um, so during the during the day job, I'll I skim the chapters. I kind of pick up main plot points and stuff like that. And uh, I was uh, in in Brian's birthday bloodbath. Everybody was sort of like general American. There wasn't any uh, affectations in the in the way people speak uh, spoke. But in this one, I started picking up on a little bit of the a little bit of a rural vibe. Um, I mean, you got a guy that any I usually assume anytime somebody calls somebody else sheriff. Uh, it's it's going to be a sheriff, you know, <laughs> of course. And so I, uh, I put a little bit of that in there. So most of the Rangers are some slightly rural, a little bit harder R's. Um, and that tends to lean, lend to, uh, uh, more interesting character flavors and things like that for, for some of those characters. And because these books are, like I said before, they're kind of lightweight, lighthearted. I mean, um, there's, there's room to make characters more, not caricature, but make the characters bigger. Um, than you know, a contemporary romance where every character has to be somebody that's realistic. Um, in this one, things are not realistic. It's fine. <laughs> and, uh, as long as it doesn't become a distraction, then, you know, you, you've got a lot more, a lot more freedom with which to, uh, to build and flesh out these characters. Um, and the cast list in Ogre is quite large. Mm-hmm. I can't say that the, uh, number of cast members that are alive simultaneously is large. <laughs> um, but the number of characters that come through is quite large and, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I love, I don't know, there, I get some sort of sick satisfaction out of reading shitty people getting killed in awful ways. Oh yeah. Like it's <laughs> cathartic, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> especially when they're a voyeur, uh, that little guy on the cliff. Oh, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> I had fun with him. You're going to like that. I'm not going to tell you what I did, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was great. Um, and what I, what I really enjoyed with this one was uh, transitioning from, you know, you've got this third person narration, so you're not really in character, but you can absolutely be in character in the third person sense mm-hmm. transitioning between the fear that some of the characters are feeling. And then all of a sudden they're dead, but the, and the tone has to change. And now you become this sort of like amused slash enraged slash extremely hungry, uh, monsters perspective. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to kind of, uh, these, he's, he's running away. It's really intense, blah, 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 blah smack and after that it just kind of becomes and then he picked him apart and did this this in a in a way that the monster clearly enjoyed doing um and that was just a lot of fun it was a lot of fun (laughs) i gotta ask you you know um 
Brian's books, especially for me. Um, did you, I, I was kind of inspired by, I, I'd listened to Andy Serkis, uh, do the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And especially in the Hobbit, man, he just lets go in the booth. And, and I'd been through some, you know, narration coaching and stuff like that. And, you know, less is more is, is the key. Yes. For, <laughs> for, for most kind of mainstream stuff. Yeah. However, for stuff like, you know, splatterpunk, crazy campy horror like this, I always find myself letting loose a little more when it, when it calls for it. Uh, yeah. So I know that in Snow Shark, there was many crazy action death scenes. And I, you know, find myself you know, not blowing out the mic, but having to kind of play around with volume as I'm recording it, distance volume, uh, but like <laughs> consistently trying to make sure I wasn't like clipping and it wasn't too off, like too crazy. But I know there was one moment when someone uh, hit me up on, on social media, I think it was Facebook or something where they're listening and they almost like drop their glass of tea or coffee or something like that. It startled, startled them. Uh, do you employ that sort of narration kind of playing with uh, <laughs> intensity? Well, or, the answer or, is or, yes. Um, <laughs> and I also do it without fear of clipping. Right. That's the, because <laughs> I, I do not record dry. I record through a, um, through an Apollo oh, okay. and I gotcha. have some plugins to do a small amount of compression. And then yeah. there's a, a limiter that kicks in if I get really loud. Um, and so because of that, like I do, I do take care to move away from the mic so that you minimize yeah. the amount of impact that the effects have or that the effects need to do. Um, but at the same time, it is kind of a safety net in the event that there's a scene that, um, you know, requires you to not sound like you're far away from the mic but it also needs to sound like the characters are yelling and yes there are techniques and stuff that you don't actually yell in the booth necessarily you right, sound yeah. like you're yelling but it's still a lot louder than your normal speaking voice so if you're not careful and if you don't have some sort of a little safeguard there you you may have to stop and look at your waveform and make sure you didn't clip yeah. um but it's it's something that's that's manageable um yeah. but i i sort of uh I don't call it I cheat. I don't necessarily cheat, but I definitely use a that that crutch of having a, a limiter to catch me. Well, I wouldn't <clears> call it a crutch. I think it would be like I just haven't set it up because I'm lazy. <laughs> I I had some I had something set up, but it was when I first started and it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. So I kind of moved it over to completely dry recording. And I have my Apollo right in front of me and I can kind of move it down and I I have a little sticker of where it should be at all times but then i can so i can bring it back there so i'll play around with that if i have to but yeah i just haven't i haven't set that up yet uh, i'll probably talk to you about setting that up <laughs> yeah i i have uh probably spent way too much money playing with the little plugins whenever they go on sale um you get like four <laughs> or bucks or something like that and it's yeah, like oh it's... wow i can get all these you know it, an audio file that is an expert in the equipment can probably tell the difference between the UAD plugin and the physical equipment. But that's right, yeah. probably less than 1% of the population. So for my and, purposes, yeah. it is an almost direct reproduction and they are very good and it's real time. So as you're recording, it is doing the effects and I'm getting my monitoring back with no latency. And um, it's just, I think they're a, they're a lifesaver. <clears throat> yeah. 
That's one thing I would recommend I'm, against with the plugins, though, is don't use an expander or a gate. You can always do that later. No. You don't right. care about catching low points. You care about catching your clips. And if you put an expander or a gate in there, it's going to mess with your noise reduction later. You got that, Brian? Are you taking notes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's pretty interesting to get behind the scenes <laughs> on it. it. I mean, you can get really nerdy with this stuff. And I I kind of obsessed when I had started. And, 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 and Andrew, you, you started, what did you say, three years ago? About, yeah. Yeah, I, I did too. I think I three or four years ago as well. And um, so, I mean, you, when you're first starting something like that, it's, you know, it's more than just sitting around, like, yeah, look at the space, the, the gear. It, I oh, so much, man, oh man, oh man. And a better and microphone I, is not a better sound. A better microphone right. is a better representation of your bad recording space. <laughs> your exactly, bad speaking yes. techniques and your bad mouth noises. <laughs> it will just pick up more and more things to let you know how much, how bad everything is. It'll sound very, very cleanly bad. So yeah. uh, if you're listening to this and you're a perspective narrator or you're thinking, if you are a narrator and you're thinking about getting a microphone or an upgrade or something like that, you really don't need much to do audiobooks. I would recommend something more than a USB, but yep. uh, USB microphones are getting really good these days. And yeah, by the time I mean, it gets on the Audible, uh, the Audible does, they do some extra compression and stuff on yeah. it and they shrink the file size down that you, I mean, you can probably, it, it can know. probably pass. I'll just, I'll I made just the, say it. I made the mistake <clears throat> of, because ADD, I made the mistake of buying <laughs> like the most expensive mic that I can. I was like, oh, I'll put this on a card. And it was a shotgun mic. And I was like, oh, I heard this is a, and then I just hated the sound of it when I yeah. got it. And, and it was even in a booth, but um so then i sold it for i you know i lost a couple hundred bucks on it but i sold it and got it and i got a, a mic that was about 200 bucks it was um <laughs> i can't remember the name of it but it was some off it was um they were they were saying it's kind of like a clone or whatever i don't even know what to call mm -hmm. it of like yeah. a, of, of another of another mic but it i mean everyone in in our little audiobook community was talking about it so i grabbed one i was like it's cheap enough i can give it a try and i've been using that ever since yeah and i haven't Most... had any uh yeah, most by the time you upgrade to an XLR microphone, you're you're pretty much there as far as yeah. the floor of the quality that you need to worry about. If you want to do more detailed stuff, if you want to do music recordings and whatnot, obviously the sky is the limit is very high. Yeah, absolutely. But for spoken word audiobooks, it needs to be good, but you're going to do so much compression because you have such a tight little window that you need to fit all of your audio volume into. Um while not having a bunch of really quiet zones followed by really loud zones, even if the whole track's audio loudness is a certain level, you can still have this dynamic range that can be killer. So you got to crush that down a little bit that you've done so much editing to it. Anyway, the <laughs> microphone that you started with kind of gets lost, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want so. a nice clean, you want a nice clean slate to work with, especially if you have somebody editing and mastering, but, yeah. um, but definitely. And like you said, Audiobooks especially get compressed so much. Uh, it's not like you're doing, you know, um, well, I don't know. Like there's there's wiggle room with all this stuff and you can get really, really nerdy about it uh, or or not. But I mean, but what you said earlier about the room, the space is, is key. That's the biggest thing to everyone I've talked to about audiobooks because I tried it doing in this room right here. Um, uh to do audiobooks and I did some like sound stuff. I didn't have the shelf here yet, but 
after my first couple or halfway through my second one, I was like, I need to build a booth. So I paused <laughs> everything and I friggin' I built a booth. It was ridiculous. Uh, anyway, uh, we're leaving Brian out of the conversation, but I'm sure he's just <laughs> sitting back at enjoying, <laughs> enjoying. <laughs> enjoying I this. Was. But, um, so, so Brian's birthday bloodbath out an audiobook now, a uh, nice little fun, quick listen. Drew did a fantastic job. Ogre, like I said, probably about a week or so. Um, well, you know, if you follow us on social media, uh, you know, if you'll, you know, you'll, uh, well, you'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see that cover. Uh, I can't wait for that line around. Um, I did want to talk a little bit with uh, Brian about the novelizations that he's doing. And, and, and Drew, we may have to battle it out for which ones we narrate, but, um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> I'll <laughs> we'll take the drag bridge. I don't mind. We'll, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Brian uh, Barry's I, sloppy seconds are still tasty. No, there's dude, there's <laughs> so many good things that I want to do, but I just there's not the bandwidth. I have to give away, you know. I, I but it, you know what, but it's fun. It's fun, you know, helping sending out audition notices to things that I know are gonna be super fun for people, especially narrators who do a lot of romance, which we have a lot. I mean, uh the the you know, the women who narrate for us, they love it. Like they I I actually get more women auditions than men because, you know, unfortunately a lot of women just get stuck doing romance, but you know, it's the nature of, of the business. And, uh, but we, I'm so happy we're able to you know, provide, you know, these books that are just a different chance of pay, change of pace. All the women who've narrated for us have been incredible, turned in incredible work. Um, and, uh, so anyway, um, uh let's see what was where was i going with that see here we go novelizations losing my, my train of thought thank you novelizations so brian i want to talk to you about this because you know we've been tracking down novelizations you know we've been trying to find rights filmmakers stuff like that as as a publisher and then all of a sudden you're like yeah yeah i <laughs> I, I worked out the rights to commando ninja yeah i worked out the rights to the barn like <laughs> What the fuck, dude? <laughs> no, seriously, tell me about. I mean, like I said, like you're you're probably like me, where you see something and like oh, I'm gonna track them down. But I want to kind of hear, um, you know, what kind of led to these these and you know motorboat and things like that, um, and any other. I don't I, I don't know which ones you've announced and which ones you haven't. So I'm trying I'm treading very carefully. So tell me about your kind of journey into, you know, just sell like you know, self uh, self brokering these uh, these novelizations. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, with motorboat, I saw it on Twitter. I saw a poster of it and I was like, <laughs> oh man, that looks cool as shit. And then I saw that it was from company SRS. And so I get in contact with them and I was like, are you guys interested in a novelization or an adaption of this film motorboat? Um, he didn't get back to me for a bit and then I hit him up again and then a third time, I believe. And then he came back saying, um, Sounds interesting. Uh, how would it go down? And I really didn't know how, you know, I was just like, <laughs> okay, well, uh, I don't know. So I looked into it just a bit, you know, and then I just gave him, you know, I laid it out for him and he said, well, sounds good. Let's, uh, let's do it. So I was like, oh shit. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I got my guy working on the cover and then I just started writing it out. I followed the movie, did it all and then got it out. And then, um, I asked him if there was any more I could do for his company and, he said, yeah, uh, let's, what do you want to do? And I said, house shark. 
yeah that's, that's his movie you know so uh, we did that one and then i just which is such on. a brian berry <laughs> yeah <title. I> know. <laughs> it's like oh of course brian berry's writing then that's the thing about srs is srs <laughs> cinema has a lot of the same movies like the kind of books that i would write you know i mean like cocaine shark you know and i had one that was similar to that but i never released it and it was called what about uh, sharks of the shark. corn you're gonna do that one yeah um I don't know. People have asked me actually about that one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, SRS has a unique library. It's like they have just the craziest minds, you know, like to come out with these crazy ass titles. And I'm just attracted to that kind of stuff. Those trashy B movie styles, you know, yeah. and, uh, and then commando ninja. I've always loved that. When that came out, I was like, Oh shit, this is badass!" You know, as everything you can want. Um, if you like those high octane action '80s film shit, yeah, um, it's such a great setup. Oh of yeah, those. <laughs> it's awesome. Great effects too. And um, so I reached out to the guy who I thought made it, and it wasn't him. And I laid down this big thing, you know, like, "Well, I'm a fan of your movie," you know, <laughs> la, 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 la. and I went to this big spiel about it. And then he's all, "He's all, I love that movie too." Unfortunately, it's not mine. So I was like, "Oh shit!" So. <laughs> attract on the real guy and then we get to talking and then <laughs> it took him a moment you know he wasn't really sure what the whole how it all worked out and um i was still learning and i laid it out and then we got to going with it and i was really really happy that he approved it and then we that's pretty much what i did with barn it's the same same way mm -hmm. i approach them all the same yeah i still have some that i'm hunting after and i'm not gonna stop <laughs> <clears throat> Man, I got it's like I I get like I get like this competitive edge with you. I'm like, oh, we can't like now we gotta <laughs> we can't <laughs> let Brian have more novelizations than us. No, but uh, uh, no, it's great. I love it, and that's the thing. Like as a publisher, we champion you know keeping stories alive on in, in a different medium, but we're keeping that story alive. You know, sure. past the movie, we can expand on the movie. Um, you know, we it's just such a fun process and and i really i really really do love it um so we have commando ninja so commando ninja is out right now in your uh your your specialty cover uh mm -hmm. trade size we're going to be releasing a special edition with a, with a forward by the filmmaker uh some fun little behind the scenes pictures and po uh, more poster art in the back of the book that's coming out on november 14th uh, it'll be available everywhere. Uh, you can pre-order it right now, and I have a I, ha I have a box on the way uh, on the way, so I can start sending sending these out as soon as people pre-order them. But you can go th that's over at buyhorrorbooks.com. You can pre-order uh, the Commando Ninja Special Edition. But of course, Bry, you know, Bry, buy Brian's Brian's version that's out now. It's fantastic, super fun. Uh, and also the barn just came out uh, recently. Uh, you released it, Brian. And same thing within about so in December. I haven't set a date yet because I kind of I have to sit down and and get it you know um, ready to go, get the correct artwork and stuff. But I'm yeah. gonna try to get that special edition out in December before Christmas. So awesome. Um, we'll try to do that. Um, so I opened it up <clears throat> to some questions here in the comments here. And uh, Tally is listening. Tally, hello. Um, Tally's awesome. We interact on uh, on Facebook all the time. She's, she's a she's a huge fan of Brian's work. Uh, she's listened to some of my audio books. She's read some of our books at Encyclopocalypse. Um, she's asking uh, Brian, how do you find the balance between description and action? So, 
what, is there anything you do? Do you kind of get the feeling for it? What do you, uh, what do you do to kind of try to balance that out? Because some action scenes can be very flat and yeah. just, Oh, he needed this and he did this and he did that. Um, but some can have just too much description, just way too mm -hmm. much. Um, is there a method you do? Do you just kind of go I by see it like, uh, I see it like a movie. You know, I'm thinking of yeah. like if I'm watching a movie and how fast like an explosion happens or a guy gets cut down with a rifle or, you know, shit like that. And that's how I'm seeing it. Sometimes I'll like go a little overboard, but, you know, it's all in fun. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I do that. I just, it unfolds as I write it, the whole scene. So. Yeah. I, I'll I, say I, that as a narrator, yeah, go ahead. a lot of times that's how it plays out in my head as well. And mm -hmm. that really helps when I can sort of pick up on that in the pacing of the book. Because it helps me with my pacing as a narrator that there's naturally going to be a pause here, or this is naturally going to be a more exciting scene, or all of a sudden something happens and you need to pause and really hit a certain point, etc. When it's when it's written by somebody that's sort of seeing it that way in their head, uh, and it comes out that way on the page, it ends up coming out that way in the audiobook very easily, and it it flows really well. Yeah, I mean you can you can tell. You know, um, I, I'm very much the same way. I visualize everything in my head when I'm when I'm narrating and and, you know, Brian's books, especially you just it's a freaking movie in your head as you're as you, either you're reading it or you're narrating it. I mean, they really do come across that way and you can just visualize it, add your own twist to it in your own head. But you it, it, the, the writing style is just the right balance. Um I'm editing a um, one, a novelization that we'll be releasing <clears throat> right now. And um, that's the balance that we're the, uh, that, that I'm trying to reach with my notes. It's like, you know, and I, I'm, and I'm thinking about this, can this be expanded? Is this enough? Like, and I'm, and I think, you know, it, it is a delicate balance with all that. So, um, you know, in, when, when I'm an editor, mo editor mode, uh, reading through a book, I'm very much thinking about that. And it's, it's funny because being an, like, now that I've been become an editor, I don't do too many. We, we have other editors, but there's, there's some that I like, Oh, I want to edit this one. My prep for audiobooks kind of helped me in many ways, get into narrator mode <laughs> or, or in editor mode, because when you're reading the book, when you're prepping, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're pre-visualizing things. You're kind of making notes. You're, you're, you know, writing things that, you know, want to make sure that I pick up the pace, the, the pace here. Um, so it's very interesting, but, but yeah, I, I love, I love it when an author finds the right balance, um, especially in these kind of B movie, you know, type, type books. Um, let me see here. Well, we are, my dog is getting antsy. They, are hungry <laughs> making them like sit here next to me like you're don't move don't shake your little bell collar charlie <clears throat> um uh let's do one more question here from from tally uh, and then we will uh we will wrap things up uh brian i'm, I'm gonna do this two ways <clears throat> excuse me i got a frog in my throat all of a sudden so brian uh, for you, what are the most difficult scenes to write? And then, Andrew, uh, what are the most difficult scenes you find narrating? So, Brian, take take it away. Mm. What's the most difficult scenes uh, to write? At first, it was like 
conveying emotion, I guess, and getting like interactions between the characters. As I go along now, it seems to um, seems I have like broadened on that, so it works out a lot better than I used to do. I was very flat, and you know, I didn't really, I didn't really write books. And this is going to sound weird, but I didn't write them with like interactions in mind. I just write them with like action in mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of failed at that initially, but as I have went on, I've noticed that that has become almost a strength of mine lately, which I'm loving. Um, without you know losing the edge with the others but so that's yeah. that's probably what it was but now uh, i don't know it's all coming together sweet I'm, I'm sure you'll find something else i'm sure you'll find something when you start doing when you do more of these uh ro- <laughs> romance i don't know are they romance oh yeah actually I'm, i had a lot of fun with the one so <laughs> <laughs> i haven't i haven't read them yet but i believe the word is horotica Horatica, there, there you, you go. go. <clears throat> and Andrew, how about you? Like, what are some what what kind of scenes or what kind of uh, you know are, do you find the most difficult uh, to narrate? For for me, uh, I you know no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say nothing. You go 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 for it. I'm I'm <laughs> well, butting in on the conversation. It's not about it's not about you, Sean. God damn it. I was go gonna for say it. for me, the difficulty of a scene or a passage is not. You, it's, mm, it's almost never tied to the actual content. It's more errors, typos, um, formatting issues, or like we were mentioning earlier, when the author, when the authorial voice does not match my internal mm. monologue in terms of style. I tend to stumble a lot because I'm, I would speak this sentence this way. And then all of a sudden the sentence is over because the author doesn't speak that way. Right. And my emphasis that I'm putting up doesn't work. Got to stop, go back, reread the next couple lines to make sure I can get like, get back into the, the mindset of the author again and finding that authorial voice and the way that they structure things uh, is typically the thing that hangs me up the most. Um, otherwise, I would say, oh, I don't know. I love emotional scenes. Um, I love really like, I love the really difficult, I say difficult. When this, when the characters' conversations or the characters' situations are very difficult, when they're having hard conversations, talking about breakups or death or whatever, um, I find those to be, I don't know. I don't want to say fun because it's a very dark thing a lot of the time, but I find them very satisfying to narrate sometimes. Um, I guess, I mean, even on the romance side, the sex scenes are actually some of the easier things. Um, It's yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think it, for me, the hardest things to narrate are passages where the authorial voice just really is not clicking. Yeah. And I end up having to do uh, sometimes even an entire paragraph over again, having already yeah. done multiple sentences over and over again in that paragraph. I just, I listen to it again and I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't like it. Let's <laughs> go back to the start. And some people say, oh, you're being a perfectionist, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So what? Shut up. <laughs> you have, is that, it's that fine balance as a narrator. Of I'm knowing... not wasting weeks trying to get one sentence, right? I'm yeah. wasting a couple minutes trying to get a it's paragraph. Minutes. Right. It, it, it is, it is a fine balance. Um, yeah. doing that. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. All right. There's one more question. Brian, does your stuff fit in more in horror erotica or body horror? But I, I, I think it's a combination. I think you, it depends on the, it depends on the book, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those are mutually independent things. They yeah, can be both. The, you can have a tapeworm going between people during a sex scene. You can have both or, you know, <laughs> you can, right. Yeah. You know, right. they, they can, they can exist simultaneously and independently. <laughs> well, ro- like say, like romancing the dorsal would be more horrorotica, right? And then something like uh, I don't know if you really do much body horror, other than the kind of splattery scenes in the in the books. Do you have you done any body horror, right? Uh, probably laundromat would be my closest oh, okay. one to that. There you go. There you go. Laundromat. Awesome. Well, we need to start wrapping up here, uh, fellas. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and discussing all things Brian Barry today and, and, <laughs> and, and Andrew Gibson. I mean, we, you know, as narrators, Drew, we are like vessels of the authors. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. You know, we, we put our own little spins on things. Um, and I wanted to mention Andrew did do William Scholl's Sor- Saurian. Saurian? Yeah. Saurian. 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 Um, which is a man about an 11 hour book. I just, uh, finished a, a 13 and a half hour William Scholl book. Um, th- we were having more, uh, William Scholl stuff coming out as well. I wanted to mention William Scholl really quick. I'm trying to rem- look at everything. Uh, Jeffrey Robinson did the dragon and then we have uh, plenty more on the way. So I think Jeffrey Robinson was the first one to, he did the direct dragons. So that was the first William Scholl book. And then you were the second, uh, Andrew with Sorian. So fantastic water underwater horror. Tell, I want to. So everyone Sorian is basically Sorian. like if you and it, this is not a spoiler. It's revealed in basically the first paragraph of the book. Um, if you were an alien and you came to Earth and you used to have the ability to shape change into these into big whatever you want. The first things that you would see at the time that you arrived in this book were the dinosaurs. Um, oh, really, go. really big dinosaurs and uh particularly aquatic things for uh the the saurian in question uh is this gigantic aquatic or amphibious thing um and to put it into perspective just take the largest dinosaur you can think of and multiply it by about 10 um and it takes place in the modern day. The book takes place in modern day where this creature that came from the stars and had this ability has lost the ability to, to do anything other than go between human and this thing. Um, but he's still here. He's still around and uh, is beginning to have issues and getting upset with things uh, and is afraid that but he kind of, I think he kind of just starts losing it altogether and um, goes on a rampage. And the story follows um, one guy who witnessed the creature uh, kill people when he was a kid. It actually destroyed his, his uh, neighborhood in his, uh, when he was a kid. And ever since, it's haunted his dreams, and he's been obsessed with the thing and trying to learn about it. And he joins this society that um, you know, it's a bunch of crackpot people, but among those crackpot people who say they've all seen these various cryptids and whatnot, 
there are little little kernels of truth about things that can be gleaned. And every now and then, um, somebody has a similar story. And he'll, you know, he kind of latches onto that. And uh, things just kind of go from there. Um, so it's a big monster creature feature involving an alien monster that can shape change between somebody that looks human and something that's hundreds of feet tall and hundreds of thousands of tons and all that. Um, don't worry about mass. Don't worry about physics. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just assume <laughs> it's magic. Stop. He just and, and, turns into something big and eats people. Don't worry about it. And, and, and William Scholl as a writer is fantastic. I mean, you yes. think you're just getting these campy, you know, creature features, but there's, there's just so much more to his writing and his stories that just someone trying to just get popular back, you know, in, in the eighties when these paperbacks were kind of selling like hotcakes. I mean, right. he could have, he could have, <clears throat> he could have kept it. Like he, he didn't have to make these books as long as they are, but right. they are. And they work strangely work. They still drag. feel like a B movie. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't, yeah. It, it was, uh, this one was, was 10 or 11 hours. It doesn't drag anywhere. Um, and it doesn't, it, while it doesn't feel campy, uh, it it feels, uh, I don't know. I mean, it it feels like a not to say that that shorter stories are not legitimate, but it feels like a legitimate what, novel. Um, and <clears throat> it's uh, I was kind of surprised. I was expecting a little bit more of a cheese factor, of a campy factor, but um, it was actually it was actually pretty detailed and and. Uh, it didn't have a lot of that campiness, but you know, like I was saying, when it comes to narrating, it also didn't really get lost in the weeds of just trying to be uh, melodramatically um, awful and stuff. But yeah. no, it was it was actually really good, sort of horror sci-fi creature feature. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. All right, well, we. Uh... If anyone ever listened to my old podcast, The Screamcast, my son Noah would always interrupt every single show and <laughs> he is uh he's still going at it so it's funny it's, it's funny <laughs> well it's it's funny like my kids basically tell me when to wrap up the podcast always they always like it's people like they oh dad's been gone for too long it's we gotta search him <laughs> out and oh, oh i need help with this thing that i could wait 15 minutes to do but hey it <laughs> is uh so we gotta wrap up uh brian one one question somebody has is if they're new to the genre, which book of yours would you recommend? Fragments. Someone sorry, say again. Fragments. Fragments. Yeah, fragments. A nice little uh little slasher. Absolutely. Yeah, homage to pieces. Fantastic. All right. Um, well, like I said a little bit ago, guys, thank you so much for hanging out and talking to me. Let everyone know where they can find you on uh, online, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. You go, Brian. Well, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me pretty easy. I'm just Brian G. Barry, pretty much everywhere. So, and uh, yeah, so. Yep, I have uh, most of the same social medias. Uh, Andrew Gibson narrates dot com. We'll get you uh, links to all of those. Um, I also. Uh, I, I narrate and edit for another podcast called Tales to Terrify. Um, we do short form, straight narration uh, horror stories. It's a lot of fun. You should you should listen. Um, 
And then I stream most of my narrations in uh, some Discord servers that we may or may not be able to put into the uh, information on this um, video. But uh, I I usually stream them live in Discord. Some people do it on Twitch and whatnot, but I like Discord a lot. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put all this information in in the uh, description when I get this all ready after the the live broadcast is going to save. And then I'll I'll go in probably tomorrow when I'm setting up the audio version and we'll get everything in there. So at some point, if you come back to this video, you'll find all the information there. Um, uh, as, as for us, just go to buyhorrorbooks.com. You will find everything there. I'm not going to make you spell out Encyclopocalypse. Saying it is hard enough. <laughs> Again, thank you to Andrew Gibson and Brian G. Berry for joining me on the second Encyclopod and Encyclopocalypse podcast. We will talk to all of you next time. We got Joshua Milliken next week. Then we'll be doing, uh, at some point, Mark Allen Miller, the owner of this crazy thing. He'll be coming on to kind of give a history of the publisher. And then uh, Richard Elfman uh, will be coming on to talk about um, his novel, The uh, Schlemeisel of Sabrium, which is coming out on November 21st. So we got a ton of good shows coming up. And then, of course, our entire stable of authors are but <laughs> they're all asking me, when am I going to come on? When am I going to come on? <laughs> so Peter Atkins will come on. John Penny will come on. Um, Brett Nelson, who wrote the Manborg novelis- novelization, will come on. So it's good. It's going to be fun. I'm just kind of getting my sea legs here. So thanks to everybody who watched live. And uh, thank you for everybody who uh, listens to the podcast, subscribe on YouTube, wherever you subscribe. I don't even know how to wrap these things up. So we'll talk to all of you next time. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening.